Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. And I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. Hi, guys. We're back. And this week, it's just me. Uh, I, I could say that I wanted it this way. I actually did want it this way, but the news cycle is so crazy. Nobody knows what's coming and going. You can't really have anybody in the moment commit to something right now when breaking news every five minutes. And that's where we are today. We're actually recording this on Tuesday, May 9th. So there is going to be news that's probably going to be crazy on Wednesday that happens that I won't be talking about because we're in the time machine. But Tuesday, May 9th, I mean, what a news day. We have had a trifecta of news. We are not a political podcast. We are not a political newsletter. But as I've said, pop culture has its wonderful, witchy ways of weaving itself into every single facet of our lives, politics, finance, technology. It's not just celebrity craziness. It's not just TikTok trends. It's not just Instagram and Twitter memes. There's a lot. And so this week, today, in fact, the trifecta of news is in the political arena. I don't like to talk about Trump. As you know, the podcast has a little bit more Trump than the newsletter. Newsletter is Trump free zone. But here we have a little bit more leeway. And only when it's sort of good news do we talk about Trump. (laughs) So uh, maybe we're going to have more and more of that, uh, if you will. But let's talk about Trump. Uh, Today, Trump was found guilty by a jury in New York in a civil trial. This is not a criminal trial, but still found guilty of sexual assault, as well as disparaging the name of E. Jean Carroll by saying she was a liar and all the things that he said over the years about her. He is ordered to pay something in the ballpark of $5 million. Does he even have that money, guys? I mean, literally, does he even have that money? The man is all smoke and mirrors. He lives in a world of debt and fog and fakeness. And I don't even believe that man has the money. But Who's to say? Never before have we had a president convicted in a civil trial or, you know, a criminal one, but this is not, this was civil, of sexual assault. So first of its kind, he is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination, which I still think is ridiculous we're even talking about it. We're a year and a half away from an election, but needless to say, that's where we are. And his response which has been on his truth social is exactly, I mean, we, Rebecca, who was on the podcast last week and I sort of were crafting what he would say. And I think it was verbatim. This is a hoax. The trial was a hoax. This is a witch hunt. I didn't even know who that woman is. I mean, it's just so funny. But if you guys had watched any of the deposition, I have to tell you it, they should, they, they don't even need to edit it. They should just put it out in like a Netflix special and it's pure entertainment. The man is certifiable. But what really hung him was, well, I think there are a number of things, but one of the things that, that stuck out with a lot of people, was he kept saying Eugene Carroll is not his type. That woman is not my type. So like I would never rape her because she's not my type, but she's not my type, which is such a great defense for rape. That's fine. But then was shown a picture 
And he's like, well, yeah, that's my wife. That's my wife. That was my wife, Marla Maples, who conceivably he was attracted to because he left Ivana in a very dramatic way. I'll never forget that moment on the ski slopes with the mistress, Marla. And so he's like, that's my wife, Marla. That's Marla. That's Marla. And it turns out it was most definitely not Marla Maples. It was E. Jean Carroll, who would be his type if by definition that he thought it was his wife. So there was that. He also did say, well, he also showed us that there is no understanding of, you know, history of civilization. For example, he was talking about how famous men since the beginning of time, a million years ago, a million years. And he wasn't saying it facetiously. Like he wasn't saying it like, oh my God, it's been a million years since I've seen you. He was saying it factually. He was saying like, since a million years ago, famous men, grab women by the pussy. It's just what they do, whether it's bad or good. Women let famous men do whatever they want to them. It just is what it is. It's been like that for a million years. Again, this has become very famous in this video. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet, just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything, grab them by the, you can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the... Well, that's, if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. It's just so shocking to hear like the depth of ineptitude from this, this person. So he's been found guilty. Obviously, you know, one side will celebrate, one side will continue the same story. This is a hoax. This was a setup. This is a New York attorney general's office or whatnot that that they're out to get him. This was all a scam. The jury was tainted from the beginning. This was all political, blah, blah, blah. Moving on to other news in the political world, it was also announced, and I I believe my dear, darling, wonderful friend, Kara Swisher is taking credit for it, but I have to say, I don't think it was a stretch. No offense, Kara. I know she's going to yell at me, but I don't think it was a stretch to predict that Tucker Carlson was going to end up in business with Twitter. I I said it in the newsletter on the day the news broke. I said he's probably going to be CEO of Twitter or something. Obviously, Kara will take credit. She said it after, but it's fine. Like, what am I? I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. I'm splitting hairs, people. I love you, Swisher. But I think to Kara's point, like, obviously she's the reason why Kara is so good at what she does is she has intuition and she connects dots and she says things like they are. And it was an obvious next step. Now, what's interesting is that, so Tucker Carlson made this announcement on Twitter in a video that I tweeted. <laughs> There's so much wood paneling, you guys. It's like he's in a room. It's very triggering to me. It's triggering to like a really bad day camp that or a sleepaway camp that I went to as a kid. Like it was just like pine on pine on pine. So much wood paneling. And he's he definitely could, you know, apparently the news is that a bunch of his Fox team are coming over with him. But I don't think they were there for the setup of his announcement because the lighting was terrible. He looked disheveled. The man needed a haircut. Like he just, he looked sloppy. Like he really needs the budget of the Fox studio lighting, hair, makeup. It is this au natural look is not doing him any favors. In the backdrop of a pine box, again, wood paneling on wood paneling on wood paneling. It was very reminiscent of, to me, it reminded me, it felt very much like put the lotion in the basket kind of moment. 
You know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Just close your eyes. Imagine it. Imagine like that woman whose name incidentally was Brooke in the movie. She's down in the well and he's like put the lotion in the basket. And now I believe he's like, it's more stone in that movie, but it's a vibe and it's totally put the lotion in the basket vibe. I'm not, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't go back and look at it with that lens, it is, I mean, it is, it's that guy. What was his name, David? Do you remember the name of the murderer in, was it the, what was, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, so it's very Buffalo Bill vibes. It's very, very Buffalo Bill vibes. Not the football team, but the serial killer. You know, slight, slight difference. So he's going to do a show on Twitter. Godspeed. I mean, literally the most obvious thing, but he has decided to say that the news is terrible. The news are full of liars. Fox are liars. They're disgusting. They're horrible. And he should know he'd been in the business for 30 years, which I just find funny because like, so he's admitting to have been a liar. He's now trying to make the claim that he got fired for telling the truth, but it's not why he got fired. He's totally um, trying to change the narrative. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. And that's what the news media are doing in every story that matters, every day of the week, every week of the year. What's it like to work in a system like that? After more than 30 years in the middle of it, we could tell you stories. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can. But there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. That's not a guess, it's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that. The rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really, and it's utterly corrupting. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter, where we are now. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. He's really trying to gaslight us. He's probably a very effective gaslighter. I mean, he, you can tell he probably has like a wife who is completely gaslit by him. Sad. I've, I've seen women in relationships like that before, but he's trying to do that with his audience. His audience for the most part probably buys into that, but on Twitter, it just felt so like, I don't know, like it was so cheap and, and obviously reactive. And he is a boy who spilt his milk and is really reacting badly to it. He is, is never been told no. It's like all of a sudden he had like Nanny McPhee came into the house and told Tucker Carlson, no. And he is having a full on motherfucking meltdown. And he's saying that the news organizations are liars. Fox is the worst. He's going to change all of that with this unbelievable show on Twitter, which will have lots of viewers, the crazies, because where else are they going to go? And it's just another like nail in the coffin for the cesspool that Twitter's become and why I'm really enjoying Blue Sky. And I can't wait for Blue Sky to have things like video and so forth, but time will, it will come. In the meantime, we have Tucker Carlson, Buffalo Bill, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, in partnership with Space Karen, 
See, I can do nicknames to Donald Trump. Um, they are effective. They're fun. That's the best part of Donald Trump is his nicknames that he creates. So I'm just going to throw them back. So we have Buffalo Bill and Space Karen in business together. And Tucker walked away from the $25 million that he would have gotten from Fox because he's breaking his non-compete. It doesn't take a lot to imagine that that was an easy sell. Elon gave him that and more to do this. There's no question. Um, 25 million is a drop in the bucket. And, you know, he's going to go and do what he does best, which is create angry, racist, sexually frustrated people who are brainwashed or brainwashable. And it'll be great. It'll be a great uh, driver of um, uh, video views, I guess, on Twitter. And it'll also be a great uh, driver of people leaving Twitter in droves. The people that just are like, that's it. I can't, I just, I can't take it. So RIP Twitter, you've, you've been on a slow demise watching this whirling dervish of disaster. And so glad that Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk can run off into like, I imagine them hand in hand, running through a field of sunflowers with like little white wife beaters on and long necklaces. And they're just sort of, you know, doing their ketamine and mushrooms and talking about how much they hate black people and gay people and trans people and women and Latinas and immigrants and, you know, all of the apartheid stuff that, that Elon loves and knows so well coming out of him. And I just imagine that that's my fantasy of them running through a field of sunflowers. As the sunflowers start to each each sunflower that they run by like dies, like you just see the the head of the sunflower wilt as they run by there. It's it's just it's it's something I can't get out of my head. And then the last bit of crazy political news that we have today, which is the one that actually delights me the most, is that Georgie Porgy Pudding and Pie, little George Santos, the one who really thought that if he just leaned into being as much like Trump and as much like Tucker and as much like Elon as he could, that he would he would thrive and survive. But, you know, it's only for the rare privileged, overly rich white men that that works for. Apparently, George Santos does not fall into that category. He was not welcomed by those people. They didn't want him. Nobody wanted him. George Santos has been indicted and is expected to appear in court by the time this podcast is published. Published, we might know the charges. As of right now, those are murky. We imagine there to be a bunch of things from, you know, it's not just that he lied on his resume, but, you know, probably raising funds under false pretenses, misuse of funds. Um, I, I cannot wait for the reveal of what those charges are. There has been, as of yet, no word from little Georgie on Twitter, which is his favorite place to scream and yell and carry on and be as Trump-like as he can to no avail. It's so funny if you read George Santos's replies, like I would be horrified. I would just literally crawl up into a ball under my bed and cry if I had one of the replies that he gets, just one. But every one of the replies are like, 
you are a piece of shit. You are a liar. You resign. You piece of shit, coward, disgusting. Like, I mean, it's just one is worse than the other. And some are funny. Some are just absolutely literal. And, you know, every once in a while you have like a crazy Twitter handle that has like 18,000 letters and numbers in it. That's like, we love you, George. You're the best. You're great for America. And you're like, okay, bots. But yeah, so it's been big. It's a trifecta of Trump, Tucker and George. Not all of it's good news, though. Again, no one listening to this should be surprised that Tucker Carlson's next move was Twitter. It's what we've been saying. Again, Kara takes credit for it. That's fine. Let her. But it was a pretty, it was a pretty obvious next place for him, especially with like the love fest interview that Tucker and Elon had just had prior to Tucker's, you know, beautiful firing by the Fox people. And it's interesting. I had a really, I've been really lucky to, um, meet in the last few weeks. I mean, a lot of my friends are journalists and media and people that don't cover the world I'm in. So, you know, a a wide range of, of media from broadcast journalists to reporters who cover other industries and obviously friends who cover tech and media as well. But it's, it's so interesting when you are with a group of them and hearing them talk. And I was recently at a dinner where, I mean, it was an incredible, an incredible gathering of some icons, like literally iconic. Like I couldn't believe I was like, oh my God, this person I grew up with on television is to my right. And the person I watch every minute of every day is to my left. Like it was just a bizarre dinner, very honored to have been there, but to hear them talking about it. And there was actually someone there from Fox and, you know, there's this real, People respect in the journalism world, they respect journalists who have different views than them, which I found interesting. So if you're a real Trump person, but you really believe it, like a Sean Hannity is respected weirdly by the journalist world because they may not like him and they may be appalled by him, but they know he's a true believer. That is respectable. He is preaching his truth, as terrible as that truth is. It's the ones that are opportunistic, that are preaching it and are are out there for personal gain. They're doing it for power, for money, for fame. Those are the ones that you they can't get their heads wrapped around. Tucker falls into that category. He doesn't believe in anything. Tucker believes in Tucker Carlson. He would literally, if all of the money and all of the power was going to go his way, if he was all of a sudden in the blue corner, I assure you he would go there. There is no true like north for that guy. His true north is dollars and power and fame. That's it. He loves it. You can see it on him. So he's just doing things to be contentious. And then there are the ones that are true believers. And that's a bit different. And you see it on both sides. I mean, you see people on the the liberal camp that aren't really believing what they're, what they're putting out there either. And it just, I don't know. I think as we get more sophisticated and I don't know, I say this, but women generally are more intuitive to that. We are, because we, we are allergic. We can identify that in a partner as somebody who is inauthentic and full of bullshit. And unless they have a British accent and play a guitar, we can tell them to go fuck off. But if they have a British accent and play a guitar, then we fall prey to their wily ways. More on that. Um, So moving on, another thing that happened while we're talking about Twitter is we had another shooting, a tragic shooting. I mean, obviously all of them are. This one in particular so grotesque, like the information is coming out very limited. Like we really, usually we see so much more. I think this one is a real 
unbelievable case where a guy who is a known mentally ill person, I think he had been either kicked out of the army or not allowed to join the army because of mental health issues. He was covered in swastikas or as the SS symbols, but as the Daily Mail called them, lightning bolts. That's that's where we are today. They are are SS symbols, the Daily Mail. Just FYI, try to get an editor in your universe. He had been casing out the shopping mall in a suburb of, I think, Houston, but in Texas. And he just, he hated apparently women. He hated black people. He probably hated, he just hated people. And he very casually pulled his car into the parking lot, stepped out with his AR-15 and massacred people, children, little children. There are two sisters. There is a family with one of the children was massacred and the parents were massacred, leaving a child who have witnessed his family being murdered and survived under his dying parents. You, you had, you just had unnecessary carnage and it was filmed and it was filmed where I, you know, there were witnesses there that had, there was a man that was on CNN with Anderson Cooper, who was the most breathtaking storyteller I've ever seen. He's clearly in PTSD. He's clearly in trauma, but he was very calmly and then with a very, very shaken Anderson Cooper, who you could tell was just like, I can't believe this is happening. The guy was explaining, he was a first responder as a civilian and explaining each of the victims and the, 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 the absolute carnage. And he then went on to say that he weighed the options of whether or not to do the interview. And he ultimately decided, and this is a big old Texas guy that he ultimately decided to do the interview despite his trauma and his exhaustion because he needed people to understand how horrifying this is. The most important thing, the reason I, I even agreed to uh, to do these interviews, because I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired, was because I want people to really, I want it to really sink in. I want people to really and truly understand the depths of the depravity that occurred. And, you know, and if in the detail it upsets them, then I'm glad because it should. But yeah, my biggest thing is just for people to realize and under, know how tragic this truly really 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 was that people lost their lives that people's lives even though they may still be alive they are forever changed and generally speaking not for the positive he gave graphic details about about the wounds about what he saw about the color about the 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 age of it's just it's it's horrible we'll put the link if we can find it i say this but sometimes we can't find an actual link but um at least put tweets about it in in the show notes. So please check it out. Um, But there was video of, of the victims, the massacred victims, the pile of victims, which I have not seen. I refuse to, to see, but unfortunately many people saw because it went around Twitter and it actually got served to people uh, who were not looking for it. It got into their replies, some horrible people, you know, sent it out and CC'd a bunch of, of people and it just automatically plays. Uh, Other platforms had that video removed immediately. Twitter did not. Uh, Elon, who seemingly is the only person working at the company, was busy entertaining himself and others at F1 in Miami, which is where, Everybody was this weekend and he wasn't paying attention. And this video got into the hands of a lot of people and a lot of people are very upset um, and, and did not 
go out looking for that video, this, you know, what I've heard is described as just absolutely haunting. And unless you, you, if you choose to look at it, that's one thing, but if it's force fed into your feed, that's an entirely different thing. So we're doing great. We're doing great kids. Um, anyway, moving on to other things, a lot of talk, the coronation, I mean, whatever, England seems very happy with it. I have a lot of friends who thought it was great that are in England that thought it was really beautiful. I felt it was just a little tacky. You know, it just felt like, I talked about it in the newsletter. I said it felt like dinner theater in Boca. I just miss the glamour. And I think that's just part in part because of Charles and Camilla. They just strike me as just such uninteresting, non-glamorous people compared to the rest of the glamour of the royal parts of the royal family and other royal families that were in attendance. Like there were African queens there that were gorgeous. There were Spanish queens. There were the Jordanian queen. There were just these, the glamour, these beautiful dignified people. And then you had like Aunt Karen from Wisconsin. No offense to Wisconsin, but that's what Camilla looks like. And Camilla, it's just like, as a reminding myself of being that little girl who had her face as close to the television as you could possibly get and still see Princess Diana getting married to Charles and knowing all of the story that we know happened, even on that day with Camilla attending the wedding, um, the bride knowing that this was the mistress of her, of her, of her fiance, soon to be husband. And she was there in the pews. Like, it's just, it's so icky. I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't like it. And the felt banners and the gold buckled shoes and the sausage fingers, which really upsets a lot of people. It was a lot. But if you do want to see glamour, I got to say, I have not finished, so I cannot tell you 100% that I love it, but I am quite enjoying Queen Charlotte on Netflix, which is part of the Bridgerton series. And it's envisioning, there has been long rumors that the actual Charlotte, who's married to the King George, the mad King George, was black, that she had come from black ancestors hundreds of years earlier. But if you look at portraits of Queen Charlotte, I think that there's something there. I mean, she's, I think she's just so interesting looking and so beautiful. And she does look mixed race in some of the paintings of her. But this storytelling is very much, you know, a 2023 Hollywood version. There is very Bridgerton stuff of it's the sexy sex times. There's some nasty sex times, like not sexy, but funny. The music, it's all modern music, but with like a to a concerto. It's really enjoyable. So if you want, and the outfits are amazing and the wigs are amazing. The jewelry is amazing. Everybody's beautiful. Everyone is hot. You want to have sex with everybody. I highly recommend Queen Charlotte if you need to get a little glamour from your royal family. And then we also, I don't know if you guys read the Elizabeth Holmes profile, or shall I correct myself? The Liz Holmes profile in the New York Times that came out um, on the front page of the business section in the Sunday New York Times. And man, oh man, is this one of the most talked about profiles. And it's so funny because the outrage was crazy on Sunday. I mean, my phone blew up from people, as I wrote in the newsletter, from all walks of life, people that were really deeply invested in the story from the very beginning, um, Silicon Valley people, media people, but also friends that are like, you know, housewives in Connecticut. Like they just were like, what the fuck was that story? There were funniest memes like 
Addie Hitler wants you to forget Adolf because that's what the headline was. Elizabeth Holmes, Liz Holmes wants you to forget Elizabeth. So they do all of these ones like Bernard Madoff wants you to forget about Bernie. Adie Hitler wants you to forget about Adolf. And then these little write-ups of, you know, he's burning in hell, but he wants to have it rebranded as like he's having some sun for eternity. So there was this outrage, this collective outrage. It was, and I'll, and I'll explain a little bit as to why, but what I thought was so interesting is then yesterday, a few people started coming after me on Twitter to say that I don't understand nuance because I tweeted about it. I was one of many who tweeted about it, but the replies to me was that Brooke doesn't understand nuance. I didn't understand that the writer was writing about a con and showing the con. Okay. I absolutely understood that. Then somebody else said, like, imagine reading maybe more than a paragraph or two as if I didn't read the whole story multiple times or that I'm just unable to absorb the real deep meaning. Nuance is one thing. This this was not written that way. It was poorly, either poorly written or poorly edited. But whenever a writer puts themselves into a story, first of all, it's not a business story then. It could have been in a New York Times magazine, maybe a style section or a, a, a lifestyle magazine, but this was a business story. And I have some experience with this because by the way, I was the subject of a cover story of a Sunday New York Times business cover that had very similar reaction. And it was, I totally understood it. I thought it was, you know, I think the story was trying to do too many things. It certainly didn't paint a fair picture of me. I had no choice in the story, to be honest. I didn't want, I didn't pitch the story, did not want to be a subject of the story. The story was going to happen with my involvement or without my involvement. So I thought with my involvement, I could at least move it around a little bit. And the writer tried to do too many things in the story. And I don't think it was her fault. I think it was the editing. I think if she had more space or had had a bit more of an angle to sort of hook it on, it could have been a more interesting thing. But this is it about me. This is about the story that came out this week on Liz Holmes. So I read this story multiple times. I understand nuance. I actually do think the concept was interesting. I, you know, she put herself, the writer put herself in the story. But then she did sort of didn't follow through on it. Like if you're going to put yourself in the story, then like have a beginning, middle and end and a conclusion that's not sort of leaving us all wondering where you stand on this. The, the point is that she is is framing Liz Holmes as this soft spoken, innocent woman who is as I've talked about on the pod before, that I say that I'm frozen in time at 22. I think that trauma does freeze you in that sort of moment. And that's that's just something that I've built my life off of. And Elizabeth Holmes claims she's frozen in time from this, you know, alleged sexual attack, rape in college. And everything was trauma-based from there. And everybody in her life then had control over her because she was coming from trauma. And she just let like Sonny and everybody else in the story manufacture all of this. This is all everybody else's fault. So that would be Don Lucas's fault, Larry Ellison's fault, Rupert Murdoch's fault, all the people that have invested in her and her what her business was. I don't buy that for a second. Also that she talks about her building that as a character because she felt the only way to be taken seriously as a woman was to create that character and not be herself. And then she tells this preposterous story, which again, if this is in 
you know, a Cosmo, fine, but you're the New York Times and this is a business story. You fact check, you fucking fact check. I would like to see a fact check where she says that their child was so sick at 105 fever and rushed the child to the emergency room. And instead of looking at the child or helping the child, the ER doctor comes in and says, you look like that horrible woman, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> and I'm like, it's such a good, like little line for a story. I don't believe it for a second. I mean, that's something out of like a seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo novel, but did that really happen? And if it did call up the ER, talk to the doctor. I want the name. I want him to confirm, but no, there, we are just to believe a con artist. Now, what the people who are defending the story are saying is that she put that in there to sort of show the con that Elizabeth is trying to manipulate the writer. But you don't get that, really. You don't. It, it, there's points to it where she feels like she's being manipulated. And we as the reader are supposed to interpret the manipulation. But she doesn't come out and sort of conclude like this woman is a con. I frankly think if she had opened up the story and said, I interviewed a con artist. She tried to con me. Here's my story. Just those two, three sentences. We would have a very different reaction. But you're left sort of like uncertain of like, then there's the Siberian Husky that was apparently taken away by a mountain lion. And Elizabeth spent hours and hours searching for her beloved Balto, the dog, and found his body, his carcass ripped to shreds in the woods. Like, I just don't know, guys. It's just so, I felt like I was reading a really, you know, like a, a, a young adult adult novel. And it, if it had been categorized in that, then I would have liked it. But as a profile of a con artist, but mo the most insulting thing is they never, the writer never asked Elizabeth directly about the victims, the victims who lives were disrupted by her for various reasons, whether they were told they were having a miscarriage and their whole lives were disrupted, the medical victims, the the man who worked for her, who committed suicide and, and blamed this all on the reason why he killed himself and the family and didn't speak about that, or the young man who was the whistleblower whose life was threatened and all of that. None of that was asked of her and she didn't have to answer to that. And I, we were given the context of it. The writer wrote about it, but this is the first interview this woman has done in seven years or something. And she wasn't asked about that. And like I said, in my tweet, the crisis comes person who I believe is somebody I, I, I know, um, very successful. And I hope that she goes and buys a estate in Kauai or something as a result of this, because wowzers, um, although I think it's backfired. And then the biggest insult to me on the story were the photos. And the photos say a billion words, like the story is old as time. It's a, a million years of photos, as Donald Trump would say. A million years ago, the photos were always the same. <laughs> but the photos, the photos were such a manipulation. They're just this, you know, here's her hair is, she's not disheveled. She's soft. She looks like a Jenny Kane mom with her children and her husband who's joking about getting a dad bod and has to go work out. I mean, it was just so indulgent and the photos were so meant to manipulate and gaslight us again. Here I am. And that's, you know, that's my, that's my take. And I believe that's a lot of people's take. Again, I understand what the journalist who is not a writer anymore for the New York times, by the way, she had been a writer for the New York times. You can connect her with the, but her email story. If you want to dig further, she wrote a book. I believe it was quite disparaging of the New York times. So it's astonishing. She's back in the New York times, but I think she, 
I think she came at it with the intent of showing a con. I don't think she came, it came across that way though. And, um, I just, I, it, from somebody from a communications perspective, staggering. Now, if Liz Holmes was my client, I might've been delighted. I might've been really upset. I, I, either way, everybody's talking about it. I, it's going to be interesting how the judge who uh, is going to be sentencing her, um, it's going to be quite interesting how that's, how that's taken. So that's my thoughts. And that's really it. That's all I got. I don't really have anything else. There's a lot of, you know, drama going on in the, in the celebrity world. De Niro had a baby. I don't, just don't know what else to say. Bobby De Niro had another baby. It was announced uh, today, Tuesday, May 9th. I think that's his sixth or seventh. I mean, God bless. God bless. But let me go. You know what? I'm going to do the make out Mary and mute and I'm going to be controversial. First of all, I am going to make out because I, I love a red flag that Maddie Healy from the 1975, 1975 band who is reportedly the new boyfriend of Taylor Swift. Cause she moves quickly. I'll tell you, she moves quickly. Maddie Healy is literally the like classic guy I would fall for British drinker, smoker, sort of just all around you know, you just know rock star kind of guy that you just breaking hearts left and right. And, um, he is one giant red flag, which is why I would totally make out with him. I'm just not going to marry anyone this week. I, I don't know why I'm not feeling it. Like I don't want to get married in real life or in fake life today. Don't want to do it. And mute. I just, I want to mute Tucker Carlson again, but like the, I told you so Tucker Carlson would be on Twitter and Tucker and Elon. I want to, I want to mute all of it because it's just so boring. Like we, we knew it's coming. Great. It's out. Great. Move on. Let's not think about it. Like ignore it, block it. Just that's what I'm going to do. And so that's all. That's it. We are hopefully with a guest next week. Let's see what the news brings. It is a crazy news day every day from pop culture to politics to everything in between. And I hope you guys have a magical Thursday and the rest of your week and weekend. And we'll see you next week. Pop culture.